What I want to speak on this morning is about revelation, what that means to us. Um, And can we have contentment without a specific revelation? Can we be content? And there is revelation, a specific revelation. The revelation is Christ himself, the very word in John 1 verse 1. But what he, what he wants to do is he, he wants to bring it in and make it a rhema, a personal spoken word to us in our own individuality. And that word, we won't get into the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, but we will in the future get into that. But right now we want to talk about revelation and what that means. And I'm, there's only a few verses in all the Greek New Testament where that word is brought out. And I'm just going to read them, and then we'll proceed uh, with what God has us together. And so, just I'm just going to read the verses, and you can you can read them, and you can get the general idea of the context of what of where they are. This is Romans two, verse five. This is the first place that it's mentioned in the whole New Testament of Revelation. 2.5 says, But after the hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up unto yourself wrath against the day of wrath. Now for us, is there any? Not at all. Okay? And this is what makes the revelation so very important <laughs> to understand. Okay? So, there is none. And then it says, And revelation of right of the righteous judgment of God. Now, why is there no judgment for us? Because Christ took that, didn't he? He took our place, dealt with our sins, and crucified our old. So we know that there's no wrath for us. Okay? None whatsoever. We base that on John 3, verse 36. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. And 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. There's no wrath for us. Okay? And that's why we don't go through the tribulation, not partially, not mid, (laughs) not post. We are delivered from the wrath to come because that deals with judgment and all those that don't have the righteousness of God through Christ. And so that's what that is in in the first place. So again, it says... In 2.5, the last part, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Okay, that's the first place. The next place is in Romans, the 16th chapter, and I'll read that one. In Romans 16, in verse 25, it says this. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, meaning it's his personal, he has this personal revelation and which, which God is developing in all of us, and the, because it says, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So who is his gospel? It's Jesus Christ, right? So we all have that message, right? We all have Jesus Christ who spells out, that's what gospel is, spells out God to us and what Christ as that revelation is accomplished on our behalf. According to the revelation of the mystery. Why is it a mystery? Is it mysterious? No, it's just something that needs to be revealed. Okay, it has to be revealed. And the only way that that is revealed, the only way that that could possibly be revealed is through revelation. Through a revelation. And so that's what we see here. So again... Now now to him that is of power to to establish you according to my gospel, which is the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which, which was kept secret since the world begun. Now does God want anything about the revelation of who Christ is in us and who we are in him to be a secret? It can be if we don't know it. It will be if we don't have proper, precise preaching and teaching. And thank God we all need that. We're all growing in it. And I'm very thankful with all of you that we have that. So here is the next place. This is 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And this is what it says there in 1 Corinthians 14. And verse 6, it says this. Now, brethren, if I come to you, If I come to you 
speaking with known foreign languages. That's what tongues are, by the way. It's the Greek word glossolalia, and it means known foreign languages. That's exactly what it means there in the original. So if I come to you speaking with many different languages, what will I profit you except I speak to you either by what? By revelation. You see that? It's by what? It's by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying. And when it says prophesying there, it's preaching. It's the preaching of the Word of God, or by teaching. Right? That's what it says. And you know that the rest of that is, is pretty awesome when it says that. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26, it says this, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, like a psalm, which is, was a song, a doctrine, some kind of a teaching, or a language, or a particular revelation and an interpretation. Should we all do that all together all at once? Is that God's order? And obviously it's not, right? Let all things be done unto what? Edifying. So when we function in God's order, and when we function in the revelation of God's order and the specifics in our life, we function what? Edified. We're constantly being built up. And that's what we see in the Word of God, and here in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 6 and 26. Now we're going to come to Galatians, the first chapter. And this, this has to do with how Jesus Christ had called the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when he was Saul, and, and his religiosity, and remember, God is not the God of religion. He's the God of relationship through Jesus Christ. God is not interested in religion. Religion is man seeking God apart from Christ. Christianity, right, is what? God seeking man through the revelation of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the major, major difference, okay? So again, this has to do with Paul. Now look at what it says, and I want to read Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 and through 16. Listen to what it says. For do I now persuade men or God? Does God give us specific revelations, the teaching of the word of God through Christ, or a particular personal rhema, something spoken to us individually? Does he give that to me to persuade men or God? <laughs> do I need to persuade men or God? Do I, do I have to persuade God of anything? anything. <laughs> right? And then this is what it says. Or do I, do I seek to please men? Notice that? I want us to understand that today. Or do I seek to please men? Because if I please men, okay, who they are, can I please God? I can't. I can't. It makes it very clear here in the, in the Word of God. For yet, it says, for if I yet please men, all men, Saved or unsaved. <laughs> if whatever I do, I, I, if I do things to please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And we know the word servant there is one who is tied to Christ, or whose will is tied to their master. Servant, in many places in the scriptures, is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S in the original Koine Greek. And it means a, one who was a captive and a slave to sin, in John 8, verse 34, now is captured by Jesus Christ and kept free. And we know that that word servant also has to do with worship. Right? So who are we to worship? We are to worship God. How do we do that? Through Christ. Through having a specific revelation, through specific teaching, to worship Jesus Christ and not men. We don't do that. Now, verse 11, he said, but I certify you. And really, we would say today, listen, I want to make something very clear. <laughs> and this is what he's saying. I would like to make this very clear, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me, preached to me, is not after men. It has nothing to do with man. Everything that God had to complete, he completed through his son. 
He didn't need man to do a single thing. Furthermore, he couldn't. And furthermore, none of us can apart from Jesus Christ. And once we're born again, none of us can do anything apart from a specific revelation teaching about who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And then a personal rhema, that specific word that he gives us. So it was not, was not after men. Look at verse 12. Neither I received it of men. What did we receive from God, each of us individually, that came from any other man other than Jesus Christ? That's why it says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, there's one mediator, one go-between, one who bridges the gap between any human being and God. And who is it? It's the man, Christ Jesus. And that, again, was what Job was crying out in the midst of his nine-month trial in Job 9 and verse 33. So who's the go-between between us and God? It's Christ. How does he direct me? Through Christ, through a personal revelation, right? A revelation, and then when I receive that in growth, it becomes a rhema to me specifically. So for I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it by men. See, the Word of God has nothing to do with man. That's why it's called the Word of God, <laughs> Because of, is we have that simple word, you can look it up in a dictionary, the word of means constituted of the exact same substance. So the word, Christ the Son in John 1, 1, is of God. <laughs> so for God to spell out the revelation of who he was, it had to be through word. What, is, what are words? It's the communication of thought. That's what the word does. We have words. I, I can communicate you what I'm thinking through what? Words. God's full thought is his son that he communicated, and he continues to communicate to us through a revelation. Now, verse 13, For you have heard of my conversion in time past in the Jews' religion. Again, is God a God of religion? Did you ever hear someone say, I'm a religious person? Okay. Do you know who you are in Christ? Have you been born again? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Is he your personal, intimate revelation to you? Do you have an intimate relationship with God through Christ? The Jews' religion, how that beyond measure, the Jews' religion, let's look at what it says, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, wrecked it. That's what man does. That's what any of us do. When we think that we can do a single thing apart from God through Christ, that's what we do. Verse 14, it says, And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous, I want you to hear this one, of the traditions of my fathers. Notice that? The traditions, he said of his fathers, okay? Those that were teaching him. Look at what it says in verse 15, but when it pleased God. Ah, what pleases God? <coughs> who's the only one who's ever pleased God in, ter in terms of humanity? It's his son who put on humanity in John 1 and verse 14. But when it pleased God, look at what it says, who separated me from my mother's womb, I want to make this clear, and God's going to bring it out this morning very clearly. Separated me from my natural living place. <laughs> right? Everything he knew about himself right, was natural family and that Jew's religion as a Jew. Everything about him. That's how he knew himself. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by what? By his grace. Who is God's grace and truth in John 1 verse 14? It's Jesus Christ himself. Look, by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among those that weren't born again. Immediately, listen to this one, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. You want to know something? You want to have a personal understanding? It's through the word. 
You have to be separated from your natural living place. We're going to see that very clearly this morning. Okay, in verse 17, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them that were even apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. And then he says there was three years. He was in those deserts for three years. And many believe that's where we got all those beautiful truths about who we are in Christ. All those, some would refer to them as the Pauline epistles. Like when people refer to the book of Revelations, and it says in a lot of translations before you read it, the revelation of St. John. When in the first verse, it's, it says in Revelations 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so this, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ that he gave his messenger John. Beautiful that way, and it's in its right order. The next place that we see that, again, we can see it, is in Galatians 2, verse 2. Look at what it says. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Look what it says. And I went up by revelation. Did he do anything without a specific revelation from the word of God to him personally? Did he do it? He, he didn't do it, did he? That's what it says. I went up by revelation. What does that mean? He had a specific word. He had specific teaching. The word of God was guiding him and everything he did. And by that, when he had that personal revelation, he was able to communicate unto them that gospel. You see what it says? Which I preach among the Gentiles, all the unsaved, Gentiles that aren't Jews, but privately to them which were of reputation, those were the Jews, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. The next place we see that, again, is in Ephesians, the first chapter. And remember, when you, you're born again, when you've received Christ as your personal Savior, having your sins dealt with, and that's the only way they can be, when that happens, you, you, we have the positional truth of our position in Christ, and that's the book of Ephesians. Now here it talks about the revelation again. Here it is, chapter 1 and verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. Do you see where it says you? Do you understand how personal and intimate and individual that is? It says you, personally. That's what the Greek is saying. The original Koine Greek is saying, see this, it's this. It's for you. This is for you, each individual here. This is for you. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom. And look what it says. And revelation, what? To the acknowledgement of him. If I don't have a revelation, a specific revelation through the teaching of the word, do I even acknowledge God? I can't even acknowledge him. See, look, the revelation for the acknowledgement of him, the eyes of your understanding, your perception being what? Enlightened. That you may know what is the hope. The hope here, again, is not the English hope. Okay, it's not that, the Greek word is, it's not hope. Hope that we have in Christ in Colossians 1, verse 27, is a guarantee because Christ finished everything about us. He did what no one else could do. And what can we do apart from him in John 15, verse 5? What can we do? Nothing. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the word that I speak, the flesh prophets what? Nothing, nothing, no thing. Nothing, no thing can we do to please God outside of Christ. The flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit, Holy Spirit, and they are life. And that's why Paul would write, who got converted, received Christ as his Savior. Christ became his teacher, his personal revelation through the Scriptures. And then he would say and make it very, very clear as God makes it clear to us this morning, just how incredible that was of what happened to him, right? Because who is he? Who is he? Were the eyes of his understanding lit, lit up so he could know the hope of his calling 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. And the saint, is, it's, it's not like some you hear, like there's certain individuals, they're saints, and then everybody else is not that. That's not biblical scriptural at all. Okay? A saint here is one who is in Jesus Christ. That's where we get our Greek word, hagios or hagiou, set apart in Christ, set apart from the old and set into Christ. And everyone is a saint who's in Christ, not based upon what they do, what they don't do, just based upon who they received, who finished everything. And so it says it again here, the inheritance in the saints. We have an inheritance in the saints. Who's our inheritance? It's Christ. Is he in us? Yes. That's why we're saints. (laughs) See it? Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Do we have any power outside of him? No. To, To us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, which he finished and did in Christ when he raised him from the dead and so on. Beautiful chapter. Beautiful. That's our position. Those first three chapters in the book of Ephesians is the position in Christ of every single believer who's received him as their Savior. Every single one of them. Okay? Then the next place that we see that is in Ephesians 3, verse 3. Now look what it says in verse 1. For this cause, what cause? Who is our cause? Who's God's cause? It's Christ. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. What's a prisoner of Jesus Christ? One who's free. One who's free. For you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me and to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote unto you. The word of God unless believers are even taught specifically the Word of God, what's it going to be? It's a mystery. I can't figure it out. It doesn't make any sense. And all about the preaching and teaching of the Word of God is to what? Is to put sense into our heads. Because if we don't have the sense of God's mind through His Word, which is His thoughts, we function in what? Nonsense. Things that don't make sense then everything becomes strange and a mystery. And then we go about in a fallen nature trying to figure things out. Remember how many times we said, when you look to others, when we look to others outside of Christ, what will that lead to? Disappointment. Because they can't do for us what only God could do. Right? I don't know. We explain it like this. Some say, well, what about me? I have a will. Yeah, I know. Where'd you get it? Where'd you get your will? Did God design you that way? Or would you do that on your own? Okay, and we say it like this. How many chose to be born? Raise your hand. Did I have anything to do with you? (laughs) Did it? I don't know. Did you you design your own human body? No. Where'd that come from? Where did every single thing come from? Yeah, well, I have a will. Yeah, you can operate in it. Yeah, okay, what if God took away the oxygen? How you doing? What if God took away gravity? (laughs) He's done everything. We can't do a single thing without him. And as Christians, we can't function properly without this continual revelation of Jesus Christ in us personally. We just can't do it. Now we have... Finally, we're coming to the end of where these verses are, and there's only, I think, six or seven of them. Here is 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. If you want to, if you write that scripture down, read the the first 12 verses so that you can understand the context of what this is saying. Because we don't have the time to read all of them this morning. Look at what it says in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind... What is he saying? Start thinking properly. Start being in a place where you can think properly. Where you can think properly. Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Think clearly. And hope. 
hope, function in the hope that Christ is in you. If you've received him as your savior, you have a guaranteed hope and you're on your way to glory. In Colossians 1 and verse 27, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you, listen to what it says, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then notice what it says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves to your former lust in your ignorance, but as he which has called you was holy, so be holy in all manner of your life. In every manner, in every place in your lifestyle, be holy. Can we do that apart from Christ? We've, the Bible has established it. We cannot do that. So we can see that very clearly. You see, we have this revelation. The revelation gives us the grace to be what? Obedient. Huh. To be obedient children. Not going back to the old. Hmm. Separated from my natural living place. Separated from it. Now, I'm just going to explain, and I'm going to bring out, as God brought it out to me, that's why I say, if I say to you, I'm going to bring it out. Well, I didn't bring out anything on my own. <laughs> it was God that gave it to me, or else I wouldn't know it. One thing we all have in common here, this is what we have in common, we're all equal. We all have a need, we all have needs we can't meet ourselves. We may think we can, okay? But if God took away even the oxygen... <laughs> How are you meeting your own need, if you think so? Okay, that Greek word that we just read, and, and there was, there was last, two last places, and this is where it says it's plural revelations. Plural. So we had that word singular revelation, and then revelation, the, the singular revelation is Christ himself, and then how he brings out the singularity of that one revelation, specifically in areas, becomes revelations. The truth that we're growing in. So, here it is in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I mean, when we glory in ourselves outside of God, what does it do? Huh? Doesn't do any good. Remember, when we, when we look to others for something from God that God wants to bring to us personally, and then they fail us, we get what? Disappointed. Because who's not going to fail us? 1 Corinthians 13, 8. God, what? Who is love? What? Never what? He never fails. He never leaves us nor forsakes us in Hebrews 13, 5. He doesn't fail us or forsake us in Joshua 1, verse 5. He doesn't. So it is, it is doubtless, it is not expedient. There's nothing good coming from the fact of me glorying outside of Christ. But I will come to visions, because he's being brought there. <laughs> and revelations of who? The Lord. How does God reveal him? How does anybody know God? Can I know God? Isn't he just some mysterious thing out there that I'm not quite sure of? The only way God revealed himself is through his word. The word is Christ himself, all through the scriptures, all through them. And then the final place where it says revelations there is in the seventh verse. And then with all those teachings that, that God was giving him as a born-again man in Christ that he was going to teach others, Look what it says in verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure, and God forbid that we should exalt someone else above the measure that Christ is. Because again, if we look to others, Christians, I'm serious, if we look to them, for them to do in us what only God could do, we're going to be disappointed. Because they can't even do it themselves. When I look in, and then when I don't see it in others, then what do I do? The disappointment that I that I you know leads me to not seeing my need being met in others. Where does that lead me? It leads me to look within, and what do I get? Discouraged. Discouraged. You ever try your own way? Certain things. It's like men. You know, we talked about it the other day with a couple of men. We know how to put things together. We don't need the directions. We don't need those. We know how to do it. <laughs> Well, we need direction. 
okay? Because we can't put things together. And there's not a single thing that you and I can put together about God that is not revealed only in and through Jesus Christ. Not one single thing. And so here's what it says. Lest that I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the measure of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. That's right. Now, that word revelation, I'm going to explain it here. That word revelations in the Greek is apocalypsis. It also can be apocalypto. Okay? We can understand that, right? Okay? And we can even spell it later because I looked that up so I could spell it right. Right? Now, it is from a prefix. You know, that's the part of the word that goes before the rest of the explanation of the particular word. So it is apo, A-P-O. Listen to what this is. Apo is a primary particle. It's very important. It's a prefix and it's primary. Very important. Right? And look what it says. That means off. O-F-F. Or away. Now listen to what it means. This word, when it's used as a prefix in the Word of God, okay, this revelation that he's explaining to us, what does it do? It brings in the sense, proper sense. Literally, that's what it means. Bringing in, the bringing in of proper sense. Now for God to do that for us individually, look what it says. It's the proper sense in terms of a specific place. Literally, a place. So for God to bring specific revelations to us, we need to be in a particular place for him to accomplish that. Place. Then we need to, we need to be in a particular time for God to do that. Because as we've been taught through the word of God, we know that God's timing is, is, is as important as his provision. God's timing is what? It's perfect. Matter of fact, he declared everything before it even happened. Scores of scriptures, we won't bother giving those. We can give them later, after. But his plan, his timing, and his ways are perfect. Because it all has to do with Christ. Okay? So it speaks of a place, specific place, a specific time. Psalm 31, verse 15. Our times are in what? His hands. Whose? His hands. And God has a plan to separate us from our natural living place. He did it with Paul. We read it in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. He separated me from my mother's womb. You know what he's doing even now with us as adults? He's separating us from going back to our mother's womb for a supply because remember, when you were a baby being formed in the womb, and by the way, life begins at conception, there's absolutely no, there's no doubt about it scientifically, by the way. And science doesn't prove the Bible. There wouldn't be any knowing science apart from the Word of God. Because long before God created anything, God is and was. <laughs> Before he created anything, the Bible, the Word of God proves science, okay? And so if I go back, if I don't go forward with a specific revelation in my adulthood, what am I going to talk? I'm going to go back to my natural living place. And what were we there? We had an umbilical cord and we were tied to our mom. And everything, because we weren't developed yet, Everything that she chewed and masticated and brought down to us fed us. But Paul said, I'm separated now from my mother's womb. I don't live that way anymore. Okay? My source is Jesus Christ himself in my own individuality. So I don't have to constantly go back there. Doesn't mean we don't honor them. Don't mean we, doesn't mean we don't love them. But it does mean that Christ is my life because he took me out of my mother's womb. I like what a man said. And just, we talked about all this transgender and changing things. 
you know, uh, you know, born a man now, I'm going to be a woman, or vice versa. I like what a man of God, a, a certain man of God said. He said, I was, I was in my mother's womb. But when I came out, I was born a man. <laughs> That's right. There's no question about it. He created the male and female. That's Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And that's Genesis chapter 5 and verse 2. And we know what we are by how God made and designed our human bodies, period. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 21, meddle not with them that are given the change. Crystal clear in the scriptures. Now, again, revelation has to do with place, time, listen to this one, relation. Everything about my life and my own individuality is how I relate to Jesus Christ as my head. Period. Period. I don't go to others. I go to where it's being expressed to all of us through the Word, the preaching and teaching of the Word. Yes. That's why we're all here in this place at this particular time so that that relationship, how I relate, is being established in my own individuality. That's why it works that way. And until that happens, and listen, honestly, God, yes, we do ought to operate from a place of contentment, but a lot of times we want to settle down, and God comes in and shakes it up, convicts us, so that he continues us to go forward and grow in that contentment and not settle down in specific areas, specific uh, plans, specific things that we do. And we make them the source of our contentment and not Christ. And when that happens, he'll shake it up. So if you were content and you experienced a little shaking, I am telling you the reason why. Through the scriptures, in Hebrews the 12th chapter, in verses 25 to 29, if you were born again and you're in Christ, there's areas where he has to shake us. That's where we go back to natural living places. That's when we go back. And he shakes, not to hurt us, he shakes to remove the things in us that can be shaken. So he establishes his son in us, and on him, listen to me, listen to all of us, we do it together, I say that as I listen with you, him and him alone. Okay? Him and him alone. He is your authority. He's your head. Period. Period. There's no question about it. No pastor, no priest, no pope. I could care. They are not your authority. Christ is your only authority. That's scriptural. And by the way, even in Luke 1 verse 47, the Virgin Mary, if you want to study the Douay-Rheims version, the Vulgate Catholic Bible, makes it clear in the very scriptures, she points to Christ. She's pointing to him. She's saying, my God and my Savior. She was not chosen above women. She was chosen among them. And if you do the isagogics on that, you will see she was a 14-year-old little nobody peasant girl that God chose. It's very interesting when you, when you study it and when, when we understand it correctly. Now, again, that word revelation, that is literally from apo. Again, it means to off and has to do with a place, time, or a relationship. It literally means separation. God's going to separate us from certain places, certain times, listen, and certain relationships because he needs to establish us in our own personal, intimate relationship with Christ alone. Okay? We don't do things to please men. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much they love us. We don't do things to please them. They don't lead us. Christ does. Individually. He leads us. And when he does, what do we experience? The freedom and the peace that he is towards us in Galatians 5 verse 1 and in Ephesians 2 verse 14. Now, also that word means this. So it, it, it means separation or a departure. He separated me from my mother's womb. It's time to leave. <laughs> Seriously. A departure or a cessation. Stop living 
in your natural living place. Stop living on others. Experience the life that Christ is in you. And I know this message. That I know it. It's not only for right now. It's for the very extremely near future. I know it because it's been made known to me. Seriously. We need to be very careful who we're with. I don't care who they are. We better know that we were sent by God. We best know that crystal clear. Because I tell you, if not, they will win you over. And if you functioned a certain way with others, and it's not Christ that sent you, I guarantee you, you will be tempted or fall right back into those things. I'm going to make that crystal, 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 crystal clear. As God makes it crystal clear to me in every single area of my life. Make sure you're sent. Make sure it's God doing the sending. Please, please. It's also, it's so it means completion and reversal. Apo. He wants to complete you. Maybe I thought I was doing the right thing. Maybe I thought I had the right plan. The conviction of the word comes in and, oh my God, I do a reversal. Because who am I protecting? Not only me, but those I thought I was going to and for. Again, if you have and I have the peace to do what God says, great. (laughs) Great, awesome. But if you don't, in, in the slightest way, if you don't have wisdom, what should you do? Nothing. Just wait and trust him. Okay? And, and God may be leading others at specific times in specific places, but it doesn't necessarily mean you, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to miss anything either, by the way. And it's also that word ap- apocalypsis is also from the word this, calupto. You know what that word means? To cover to veil, to cover. When we don't have understanding, when we don't know, when we don't have directions through a specific revelation, what do we have over us? How do you, what do you think the enemy would use to cover a believer that's in Christ? Do you think he would use the flesh that's in the believer that they're not up but still use it in Romans 8, verse 9? Yes. And the flesh of others? Their desires? Their plans? Gosh. God has plans for you, specifically, that aren't based on anybody else. (laughs) And we best know that. Because if I don't know it individually, what am I doing? What could I do? So it means, what? and, And thank God for that. So God wants to do us and have a reversal in us a reversal in us because, what? We're going the wrong way. Thinking the wrong thing. Doing the wrong thing. And I'm doing it all without him. <sighs> For the life of me, don't understand it. This didn't make a bit of sense to me, but that's okay. When I fail, then God shows it. He shows it to me. Well, that didn't make sense. I did it. No. It didn't make any sense. So veil means to cover up. To cover, right? To cover up versus growing up in him. To cover up. To put a veil. And when you read veil, look at 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Look what it says. And can we as believers in Christ function this way? 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14 says, But their minds were blinded. Through what? The flesh, a veil. Can a Christian be blinded in that way? But their minds were blinded, for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Why doesn't the Word of God make a lot of sense to people? Have they ever even been taught? Have they ever received Christ as their Savior, number one? And are they taught? Are they just going to willy-nilly and play with their eternal destiny? I don't know about you folks. Huh? Think of the plans we do to take care of us in time. How about your eternity? You think that might, you might want to have a plan for that? 
because God's only plan for your eternity and mine is Jesus Christ receiving him as our Savior. There's no question about that. But their minds were blinded. Blinded there means hardened. Ways of behavior and habit that were formed in the flesh. Be careful who you're with. Be careful who you're with. Be careful who you're with. For until this day remains the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the old covenant, which veil is done away in Christ. That revelation of Christ is, is himself. Okay, But even unto this day when Moses was read, the Old Testament, the veil is upon their hearts, their understanding. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's freedom. But we all with open face, unveiled face, beholding as in a glass the very word of God, the very word of God, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Lord the Spirit, and that's the right way it says it. So also it means to cover, and it means to hide in. Now that can work both ways, right? And then we'll get into it at a later time because of the time that we don't have uh, this morning because we're going to close in the next couple of minutes. We're going to bring out the clarity about being separated from our natural living places, and we're going to do that starting this week. And we're going to bring it out because you will see that. And I'm just going to read it, and then we're going we're gonna to close with that. And we're going to see about natural living places, okay? But this is Matthew, the, the 12th chapter, and I'm just going to read them. In verse 46, look what it says. While he yet taught to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak to them. In other words, I want them here. I want to say something to them. I want to communicate something. <laughs> but he answered and said unto him that, that told him that, who is my mother? Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? Who are they? And he stretched forth his hand toward his learned disciples, those that were being taught the word that he was leading, and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. Who's his true family? He's telling us who our true family is. And if you have natural bios parents that are saved and born again, okay, if they are, and you may love them and they may love you, but when you grow up, they're not your guide. They can encourage you. Yes, they can. Obviously, and we love them. So look what it says. Behold, my mother and brethren. For whosoever will do the will of my Father in heaven, the same as my mother, brother, brethren, and, and, and sister and mother. And verse thir uh, chapter 13, verse 1 is part of it, by the way. That same, because it says the same day, right? It's a continuous. This was broken up, but in the original, there are no chapters and verses, by the way, uh, specific numbers. The same day Jesus went out of the house. What's that mean? He left his natural living place. Did he love him? Yeah. Did he honor him? Yep. Was he led by God specifically? Yep. Should we be? It's time to leave the house. <laughs> you know, you can be away and never leave the house. You can live miles away and never leave the house. You can. In some way, in some way, when, when you're in a specific place and you still don't leave the house, guess what? Who's leading you? You can't be led by two masters in Matthew 6, verse 24. There's only one. There's only one master, and that's Christ. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the, by the sea. We're going to close with this. Listen. It means to cover. Apocalypto. means to cover, to hide in. Okay? In the negative sense is where we get our word. You ever hear this person's a thief, a kleptomaniac? Right? You ever hear that? That's where we get the Greek word. Did you know you speak over 300 Greek words in the English language and you didn't even know it? You don't ever have to say, hey, that's Greek to me. You're saying it. You're speaking it. Klepto. That's part of that apocalypto. That's what it says. It's K-L-E-P-T-O. And that's what it means. To steal. Do you know what that means? When we close, you know what that means right there? This is what that means in the Bible. Remember in John 10, 10a? Remember what it says there? Jesus spoke about the enemy. 
okay? And he's the enemy, and who's our enemy? And what does he direct in us apart from Christ? It's the flesh that's in us, right? That's right. He said the thief comes to what? Steal. What is he? He's a klepto. By the way, Satan is a kleptomaniac, by the way. <laughs> he, can't, he comes to steal. Why? To kill your capacity and to destroy you from your own individuality in Christ. But he said, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. So you can either be stolen by the enemy as a believer, or you can be stolen, stolen away and kept by Jesus Christ through specific revelation and teaching in the Word of God. Then no question about it. Seriously. I know who my planner is. It's Christ. He's not a man. And there's a lot of men that I love. And they, honestly, there's a lot of men and women that I love deeply. And, and they may have certain desires, and I do. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the will of God for me specifically. It doesn't mean we don't desire and love and all this other stuff. We talked about missing. When, when other believers say, I miss you. God, you're in a specific place that God has called you Tell me, <laughs> what would you miss? You may miss the fellowship with him, but you're so built up that they're in the place where God has called them. You're so resting and satisfied. Seriously. I mean, it, over the years, I've been, you know, by the grace of God as a pastor, since I was 25, I'm 68, heading for 69. And we gave this illustration we gave an illustration, and that illustration was we were at a restaurant, and this woman, this woman, a daughter of a bank president in New Jersey, he had left and went to a specific ministry to be taught the Word of God. He came, sat down, right? And his name was John Palmer, a dear friend of mine, and it was his daughter. And we sat down. And he looked at the pastor there, Pastor Stevens, and he said, why are you taking my daughter from me? I miss her. And he looked at her, and you know what he said? I didn't take her. God led her to a specific place, to a specific time, to develop in her a relationship with my son through Jesus Christ, the Word. He said, I didn't do any of that. God did. And when you say you're missing somebody, Okay, that just might mean you, you think you need them to be complete. Are we complete in Christ in Colossians 2.10, are we? Do I need to go back to a natural living place? No, there's a change. That's what that goes into. There's a change, a development. And we're going to see through the week how God, Christ was preparing all of those for that new thing that he was doing. But for him to establish the new revelation, the truth of him in that specific area, he had to lead them out of an old place. It's absolutely correct in the word of God. And thereby we're content. So Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word, for your faithfulness to us. Father, we thank you. Thank you for each and every single individual here. Thank you, Lord, that all of us together come because we, we have a need in us that we can't meet ourselves. And again, I just thank you for each and every single person here, for how you made them, how much you love them, how, how you so specifically designed them to reveal your glory and to be blessed and to rest in you. And just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.